Rosalie and Douglas Gale of Ugly Baby invented shower art, waterproof art you can hang in your shower with a suction cup. They hand cast each piece in rubber, add glitter, discarded toys, and other weird stuff, along with a fair amount of sarcasm. Visit UglyBabyShop.com and use the coupon code ABBYRULES, that's A-B-B-Y-R-U-L-E-S, for 30% off a single order. Thank you so much, Ugly Baby. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 90 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, we're talking about blogging and illustration and newsletters with my guest, Claire Robertson. Claire is an Australian artist and illustrator based on in the Pacific Northwest Island of Salt Spring in British Columbia, Canada. She weaves the whimsy of her island life into her work, incorporating the local flora and fauna in her characteristic style. She's well known for her much-loved blog, lubilu.com, which she began in 1999 and for which she has won many awards and accolades. She's also known for her iconic children's book illustrations, including for the ongoing Truly Tan series, written by Jen Storer for HarperCollins Australia. Claire works digitally, but also in traditional media, inks, acrylics, paper cutting, ceramics, and textiles. Claire Robertson, welcome. Thank you, Abby. It's so nice to be here. It is super nice to talk to you because you, your blog, Luby Lou, was the first craft blog that I encountered and I, and actually sort of started me on my career. And so it's just a wonderful honor to talk to you. And I actually think that it's possible that you had the first craft blog. Is that possible? Well, I have no idea, really. I think um, I was just, I wasn't deliberately craft blogging. I was just kind of blogging, blogging about whatever was going on in my life. And uh, at that point, I discovered how much I quite liked sewing and creating stuffed toys and quilting. Um, And I can't really think of anybody else who was doing it, but it's possible there are other people around doing it at the same time. But it was kind of around, well, I started the blog in 99 and I probably started blogging about crafting just when my first daughter was born in 2001. So it's possible that, uh, yeah, maybe, I don't know, Abby. (laughs) Claire, I think it, I think it's pretty safe to say you were either one of like two (laughs) and we don't know who the other one was, or you might've been the first one, which is amazing. So, and a lot of people came on very quickly afterwards because it was pretty fun thing to be blogging about. So, um, it felt very populated very soon, which was kind of cool. Yes, and I so I discovered Luby Lou in two thousand and four, um, and at that time I'd uh, just had a baby. Actually, yeah, I just had a baby, and um, and I was sort of going through an identity crisis, and you know had left the workforce and didn't know what to do next. And I found Luby Lou, and I couldn't believe at that time you were living in Australia, uh-huh. um, and I couldn't believe that first of all you were all the way on the other side of the world from me. And that you, so you started um, like a meme sort of called yeah. Month of Softies. And can you just tell us what that was? Well, I've, uh, um, I, I had just discovered how much I loved sewing stuffed toys. And, um, and I was making really strange creatures um, from pattern, from vintage patterns that I found and adapted. And I thought it would be kind of fun to uh, make this kind of group project where I would set a theme every month. And they were kind of pretty wacky themes, I seem to remember. 
um, like I think the first one was uh, uh, Make an Elephant on Roller Skates. And it was up to people to come up with their own designs and uh, make these creatures over the month and then take a photograph and upload them to the gallery that I created. And uh, it was, it kind of exploded. <laughs> yes. A lot, and I, of, a lot I, of people got involved. I remember thinking I was going to have to mail it somewhere. Okay. So oh. <laughs> the first one that I did was a monster and it, the theme was monsters that month. It must yeah. have been in the spring of 2005. And, um, and I, I was like, where do I mail it? And I realized, oh no, you just put the picture on Flickr and, and that's, that's how you participate in something online. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately I have lost all the archives of that stuff due to a certain, um, I, I updated my blog a couple of times and shifted platforms and all the archives have just disappeared. So I've, I had a look yesterday to see if I could find the galleries of all these original um, softies, but I couldn't find them. But the Flickr group is still there and was even active, I think, four years ago. So <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Gosh, we should revive it on, on Instagram or something. Um, I mean, it was just really wonderful. And and it really, I mean, for me, it, it launched my career. So so thank you for that. Um, and so tell us a little bit about sort of blogging way back when, as far as first, just kind of maybe some of the technical pieces of it, because there wasn't something like, you know, Blogspot or something like that, where you could just, you know, drag and drop some images, input some text without knowing HTML and just upload everything. And, you know, ta-da, you've got, you've got an online publishing platform. This was something you had to actually like code to figure out how to right. publish online. Right. Well, actually, when I started, there was something that is kind of a little bit like that called diaryland.com, which was a very early um, blogging platform where people were uploading personal journals. And um, But it was very bare bones. It was a bit of text and you could put up an image. Um, but you did have to know HTML. And uh, But it was um, – I then wanted to host it on my own domain. So, of course, I shifted everything over and then I had to do all my own coding myself. So, it was pretty cool, but there were no features like how to archive things successfully or it was all very basic, um, but kind of fun because it was just make it up as you go along and there were no rules and nobody had really done it before. So you were just kind of, oh, I think I'll add this today or I think I'll have a sidebar with my favorite things in it. Nobody's done that before, but let's do that. So it was kind of um, really super creative kind of compared to now, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. We can talk a little bit about how it compares to now and the pressures are very different <laughs> than they were then. Right. So so how did you discover Diaryland? Were you always kind of like a techie person or did you stumble upon it? I mean, how did you come up? I mean, I don't even, I don't remember Diaryland as something that was out there, but how did you find it? I think I found, I, you know, I have, well, it was a long time ago, Abby. I know. It's almost 20 <laughs> years ago. I think I was, I just started doing a little bit of web design myself and I think I must have just stumbled upon it. I don't know how. There are still a whole bunch of bloggers around now who I'm still friends with who all started on Diaryland and have gone on to do various different things in different ways. Um, and, uh, and it was all, and I did, I came up with the name Luby Lou because I didn't want to use my real name. And I just literally picked some name that came into my head that day. And little did I know that it was going to stick with me for 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> well, let's I talk about that name. Before. Right. Like, so now, now when you start a blog, there's so much intention around naming and there's so, it's hard to get a name because all these exactly. URLs are gone. And, um, right. you know, unless you want to have dot something else, some fun thing at the end, you can't get yeah. the dot com. So Luby Lou was literally just something, some like, you know, random idea that came to you, that yeah. name? 
It came from a children's rhyme, here we go, Luby Lou, here we go, Luby Lie. And I think, I would, I, seriously, I just typed it in and thought, this will be fine. It's not my name. Nobody will know me. I'm not going to tell anyone about this. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think I told my mum and my dad, and, and that was about it. And um, a few other Diaryland people found it. But it, it was, uh, I think I might have thought about it just a little bit more. And yeah, especially if I knew it was uh, something that I'd still be working under now. <laughs> has there has there been any temptation to change it? Have you been tempted at any point to be like, hmm? I have, yeah, well, I've been tempted to change it all over to Claire Robertson. And I do have my artist's website under clairerobertson.com. But people remember me as Luby Lou. So it's... Uh, it's a bit of a conundrum, so yeah. I just have to accept it and, and not worry about it too much. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think names become an abstract, and I, yeah. you know, I picked my name while she naps, um, literally like at a Starbucks while we were just chatting about me potentially having a blog, and I was like, oh, it'll be all the things I'm making while she's napping, and so right. I just, you know, while she's napping, look when you write it out, looks like while she's snapping. So I was like, oh, I'll just call it <laughs> yeah. while she naps. That was the entire. <laughs> thought process and it sounds like a mommy blog. It sounds like many things that I'm not. Right. Um, but I, you know, I do think it, it gets abstracted in people's of minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People don't identify it that way at all. So it's good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. fine. Exactly. And, and I also think that anonymity idea is something very, that's really changed because right back in the day, I used to always, um, like when I would comment on your blog, I would, I would write my name as Abby Jane my middle name is Jane, um, but I would never write my my name is Abby Glassenberg because there was a, a lot of feeling of like, you don't know who these people are. Never right. say your name. You know, this was sort of before right. e-commerce. You would never put your credit card online. I mean, no way. Um, yeah, exactly. And that's really changed. Totally. I remember going to a, a wedding and sitting at a table with a group of people and I think one person had discovered my blog and... Um, and they were saying, oh, I love your blog and, and uh, I really love reading about what you're doing during the day. And another woman was sitting beside me and she looked horrified and uh, kept saying to me, you put your personal information online, you write about your life, you put all of that stuff up there for anybody to read. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, she's so right. I'm so ashamed. And I used to be quite, you know, I used to hide that fact quite often and now everybody's doing it. So, And now the advice is like you need an about page and it's got to have yes. your picture of your face so we can see exactly who you are uh -huh. and we need to know all the details. We need to know where you live. We need to know where you went to school. We need to know all your background information so that you're a legitimate person and we trust you. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. It's amazing how much we share. So um, sometimes it irks me a little bit still, but uh, especially when we have children and so on. But um and I know a few people from those early blogging days that I think got a little bit burnt by some some scenarios. So um, it does. It's in the back of my mind that I share maybe too much, but then you get relaxed and you feel like you're just talking to a bunch of friends, which essentially you are. So yeah, it's interesting though. Yeah, I mean that's one of the I think that's one of the things that has changed. Although maybe that tension between private and public is mm -hmm. still with us, but mm -hmm. it's sort of been just um, ratcheted up a few notches. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. 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 And, and I know you've said, I, I read this in an interview um, when I was doing some research for this podcast. Okay. So this is what you said, because the whole blog world was much smaller, it was mm -hmm. kind of a clandestine club of writers and readers. You should have seen the stuff people used to spontaneously send me in the mail. Ah, the glory <laughs> days. <laughs> it was amazing. I had a post office box and l people would send me books and presents and things they'd made. And this was not to get a write-up on my blog at all because it wasn't that kind of blog. 
it was just a, I, I feel I connect with you and I'd love you to have this. <laughs> and, um, and it was, a, and I had an Amazon wish list at one point that people would access and buy me things from, from my list of things. And, uh, yeah, it was a completely different world. <laughs> you know, I miss it in some ways because I'm not usually a nostalgic person and there's a lot of things about, you know, it was, yeah, it was great because it was so small and, but you know what, it was also really small. So there were some good yeah. things and some bad things about that, but I do miss that swapping culture that we used yes. to have. Yeah. 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 We did. We used to make little things all the time and send all them to the each time. other. And it was wonderful. You would get mail from these people on the internet and you'd get that, you get it a lot and you'd make things and, and swap things with people around these different themes and vintage buttons and all this yeah. cool stuff. And it would just come in the mail. And I have all of those treasures still. And it was just a different era. So do I. So do I. Yeah. It's very cool. I actually signed up for a postcard project the other day and somebody sent me a vintage postcard from Australia. And that was like, oh, this is like, 1999. This is so good. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice time. I mean, that was yeah. one of the aspects of it. That was really nice. And I also met, I mean, there, this was before there were blogging conferences where you would actually meet up with people who you had met mm -hmm. on, on the internet. But mm -hmm. so people would, you know, come to Boston and, and they would come to my house and I would meet, like I would spend time with them and their children. Um, I met a whole lot of people that way too. So did I. So did I. Lots of people. And, um, and, and still retain those friendships, actually. So it's it's kind of been, it was pretty cool. I wouldn't do it so not much now, but maybe we should bring that back too. I mean, <laughs> I'm coming to stay, Abby. I'm coming to stay. <laughs> You're welcome at any time. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, there were, there were some sort of, um, I don't know, some like innocent things about that time that were really nice, that were very human, that maybe we've lost to a certain degree. I'm not sure, but certainly has changed. And, and your blog has changed. I, you know, I think... It, look, it looks like it's been, what, I mean, 18 years that you've been blogging? That's almost two decades of blogging now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm yeah, it has changed. Yeah. I'm wondering whether you think, I mean, you can tell us first about how it's changed, sort of what the different things you've blogged about have, have changed over time, and whether that has led to your longevity. Like, has that been the key to the longevity that you're still at the same place blogging in the same, you know, in the same way? Yeah, I think, well, initially I started off just, uh, I, I always kept a diary. When I was a kid, I used to um, write pretty much my entire childhood and up into my teens. I would write um, every day and often illustrate them, even as a seven-year-old. And uh, and so the diary land, diary blog kind of felt like uh, just an ex a natural extension of that for me. And so um, I just continued writing about whatever was happening in my life. And initially it was um, finding a career and buying a house. And then it became a, a mommy blog because I was writing about my kids, but it wasn't a mommy blog. It was just, this is my life. And, um, and then after that, of course, I was doing illustration work and craft stuff. So it became about uh, establishing a career in freelance illustration and making things. And then it just became... Um, a kind of creative blog, I guess, just a general creative living blog. Um, and then I got a little tired of it when it started to, when the blogging world got bigger and things got more commercial and uh, the blog scene, there was a lot of funny infighting going on and, and I just got tired. I had blog fatigue um, and that was probably in 2006 I decided to take a year out and not blog at all. And I kind of never really picked it up again. The same momentum never came back. And I got a little um, leery about uh, posting about my children. 
um, especially when they were starting school and it was their, their own world, their own life that they were having and um, I didn't feel as comfortable just sharing their details without them being fully aware of what, that, what the ramifications were. Um, and, uh, and so it's always still been there because uh, occasionally I'll feel a flush of enthusiasm and start up again, but um, it, uh, it now just kind of sits there just as something that I will revisit occasionally. <laughs> I feel I don't want to let it go, but I do. It's definitely not a priority anymore. Mm-hmm. And I understand that idea about your children and not wanting to share their story. I shared a lot more about my kids' stories when I had babies. You know, yeah. I had a baby and I had another one right after. And so I had these two babies, and um, and so there was a lot there, you know, to share about motherhood and and sort of my perception of what it was like. And then right. as they became people. Um, who are complex people living their own life, as you said. Um, and then once they can Google themselves and they right. read, <laughs> and like they'll accidentally Google themselves for something and then they see they see my blog is the first hit, you know, with mm-hmm. their name and they'll see their picture. And after that happened the first time, I was like, oh, okay, I'm done. I don't, you know, I'll share their Halloween costumes or something like that. And yeah, but I don't yeah. share the rest. Yeah, well, I mean, I do have um, good friends who who started around the same time as me with their blogs and who continue to keep um, telling the stories. And and, uh, I have a lot of respect for what they do. I I don't judge them at all for sharing that stuff, but um, it just didn't feel comfortable for me and uh, the way we were living. So, um, but you know what? It's kind of come full circle. And now Amelia, my eldest child, has her own online presence, of course, because she's a teenager. And... um, and she writes online and has a blog. So, you know, oh, she's, but she awesome. gets to dictate it now. So. <laughs> and how, how old is she? She's 14. Oh, my daughter, my daughter, Roxanne, is 12. And she would absolutely love to have a blog. So perhaps we'll go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can make them private. So it's mm-hmm. kind of shared with grandparents and friends. So it's not, not, too, not too threatening at all. <laughs> mm, she would love that if only we would let her. <laughs> she, told, she told me the other day that she's the only 12-year-old in all of Massachusetts without Instagram. And I said, I I just, I'm not sure that that's a fact, but okay. I know she has a, she has a flip phone. Like she doesn't even have a smartphone. So (laughs) we're so mean. Yeah. She spends a lot of time on Instagram. It is a thing. (laughs) Mm, I know. And Snapchat, I mean, she doesn't write. Yeah. I know. We're the meanest parents ever. It's fine. (laughs) I'm comfortable. Um, Okay. So, so your blog has evolved. It's sort of come, it's sort of still there, but maybe not in, in the most active way. Um, But you are still innovating and are still doing things online. And Recently, you started a newsletter called The Small Batch List. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start this? I started that, well, I'm just about to send out issue 20, so 20 weeks ago, um, in last summer. And um, we, I was actually needing to think about ramping up my freelance illustration work a bit more because we were having financial issues. And I um, was thinking back to how I used to promote my illustration work. And it was primarily through the blog, like the blog really did bring me all my clients, all the interest, all the publishers, um, anything I've ever had that's come professionally actually came out of my blog. So um, I thought, okay, well, blogging's not quite what it was. I can't rely on that. But uh, I need to get my stuff out there. I need to start sending my illustrations out to people. I need to show it in. I, sh- I need to show them in a context where I'm illustrating text because that always seems to make people more interested. Um, and uh, 
And I thought, well, you know what? Newsletters seem to be kind of cool. I'm enjoying receiving the ones that I subscribe to. They feel personal. They feel fun. They feel um, creative and a little bit uh, more punk rock <laughs> than the whole blogging world. And um, maybe I should give it a go. So, um, and it's alarmingly easy to set up a, a newsletter and just go for it. So that's that's how I came about to do it. I want to take a minute now to talk with our sponsor, Rosalie Gale of Ugly Baby. I'm Rosalie Gale, and my business is called Ugly Baby. My husband and I started this company about 10 years ago uh, when we invented shower art, which is waterproof art that you can hang in your shower with a suction cup. A lot of people think it's soap, so I guess the, <laughs> the best thing I can equate it to is that it looks like a bar of soap. It's about the same size. They're made out of rubber, um, and I encase weird things inside of the rubber, and then they have funny sayings in them as well. And then on the back, they have a suction cup, so you can stick them up on your tiles. Our most popular one right now is probably Go Get Your Almost Equal Pay. That has a tiny little businesswoman inside, and that horrible phrase that feminists with a sense of humor think is hilarious. I made that one, but Doug often comes up with the, my husband comes up with the feminist ones, and I, I come up with all of the poop and fart related <laughs> materials. <so. laughs> People either get it or they don't get it. There's not a lot of gray area in shower arts. The ugly baby name comes from uh, a picture of Doug, my husband, on the day he was born. So he was kind of unsightly at that point. So that picture surfaced right about the same time that we were naming our business. So we went with Ugly Baby. Would this be a good time to tell you about a coupon code? That This would be a very good time to tell us about a coupon code. Yes. Okay. Well, then I will tell you about this coupon code that I have, Abby. If you go to our website, uglybabyshop.com, and you put a bunch of stuff in your cart and then you go to check out. If you put in Abbey Rules as the coupon code, you'll get 30% off your order for a one-time purchase. Oh, that's awesome. First, that's super generous. And also, I love your coupon code. So <laughs> Abbey Rules, that's like the best coupon code anyone's ever come up with. So oh, that's well, a good one. You. <laughs> <laughs> so these would be an awesome gift for a friend who has a good sense of humor or needs a little pick-me-up or for yourself that you can see in the shower every morning and just sort of start the day with a smile. Thank you so much, Shower Art. And now back to my conversation with Claire. I like that you describe them as punk rock. I feel like <laughs> I feel like maybe newsletters are the zines of That's the... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Exactly. The zines of now. Um, and so that's amazing. And I do wonder, though, why you chose that versus choosing Instagram? Because I feel like... You know, the other way to have done this would, would be to say, well, I'm going to ramp up my Instagram. I'm going to illustrate something every day and I'm going to put like a caption. So I'd be illustrating text and I'm going to find all my new work that way. So wh why choose this versus that? Ah, yeah, it's an interesting thought. Well, I have, I do definitely Instagram every day anyway. Um, I treat Instagram more like a visual diary. Um, it, I will be posting process photographs quite frequently, um, a few lifestyle, you know, artist lifestyle type pictures. Um, uh, and, and I have, I, I think if you're going to use Instagram to promote your work professionally, you really need to focus in on uh, the right way to do it and a kind of structured uh, approach to your marketing. And um, 
Instagram's not quite like that for me. And uh, I don't know, plus I really like writing a lot. <laughs> so Instagram doesn't lend to long passages and thoughtful ramblings. So the, uh, the newsletter seemed to be a nice um, complement to the existing Instagram stuff. Right. It appealed maybe sort of in a way to your journaling instinct yeah, exactly. from way back when. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it has that same combination of photos and text that a blog has. But why not just revive the blog then? Like why decide to do – I'm sorry I'm being like so devil's advocate. <laughs> but no, I think no, I think there's a lot of resistance. I just, like I, I love newsletters, I just want to say. And I love your newsletter and I love writing a newsletter myself. Um, I'm a huge newsletter advocate. But I've, I've also taught a lot about newsletters to people in creative fields and I get all the pushback. And so I'm just going to play devil's advocate and say, well, why not just re- you know revive the blog and put it all there? You know, I think I just felt like I was totally done with the blog. I felt like I had taken it as far as I wanted to go with it. It felt regressive um, to start, like the the times in recent years where I have gone back to it, I just haven't had the enthusiasm. It's felt um, I've been here, I've done this, I've I've tried as much as I can try. Um, Perhaps it might have been a a way to, maybe if I found a new domain and just completely recreated it, it might have worked for me. But, um, and you know, actually I am publishing the small batch list over onto a, at smallbatchlist.com. I am putting it up as blog pages as well, because I know that there are lots of people who prefer to read it that way anyway. Um, so to reach as many people as possible, there is an archive page there, which I lay out in WordPress. Um, that's an interesting idea. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't enjoying the way that, um, my email server was, um, producing the archived pages for people to look at on in browsers so I thought well I'll just do double the work <laughs> and publish it as a blog post as well so that's wonderful so it kind of sits there as a blog yeah yeah so it sort of does serve two, two purposes and, and how did you come up why not call it Lou? how did you come up with small batch lists well, I definitely didn't want to call it Luby Lou. So again, <laughs> I felt, felt like it was time to move on, time to rebrand it, time to think about uh, something new for uh, for this thing. And uh, how did I come up with Small Batch List? You know what? I think it just came into my head. I thought it, it's going to be short. It's going to be a list. And uh, I like how it sounds a little bit um, artisan. So um, uh, yeah, like I um, tried tried laying out a couple of banners and using different fonts and it looked pretty. So Again, I'll probably regret it in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a great name, and I think it's a name that really um, resonates now with sort of, you know, small batch brewing, small, you know, small, like making something that's just for an exclusive yeah. period of time for an exclusive population of people who would really like it. Um, I, I think it's a great, I think it's a great name. So Yeah, I think it works. Um, yeah. And then how, what software are you using? What email software are you using to send well, it out? I'm using, I'm using MailChimp. Um, I had a look at Tiny Letter, which I think actually MailChimp ended up buying anyway. Um, and I just liked the um, the interface for doing the, the layout and managing the lists. I love the way you can look through the analytics and what you see and what people are responding to. Um, it's a pretty cool piece of software. It's a little bit clunky still, but um, it, again, it feels a little bit punk rock. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, and, and so... 
tell, tell us like what's in this newsletter. So what, what could people who subscribe to Small Batch List expect to get each week in their inbox? Okay. Well, it's still evolving because I feel like it's early days. But like with my blog, I've just decided I'm not going to settle down into a, a format at this stage because part of what keeps it interesting for me is changing it up, trying different things, adding bits and pieces, taking things out. Um, so generally it's a, a little bit of a almost like a, a blog post personal blurb by me and then um, I I find uh, maybe five to ten interesting things that I've been enjoying during the week and they could be in all sorts of areas mostly in the arts um, so always an artist that I've discovered on Instagram that I love um, and then things we've been watching on TV movies we've seen music I'm loving um, it's really kind of just anything anything that I love something I've been cooking that always seems to be something that people like um, and now just recently I've introduced a new column which I call my um, Friday Five Favourites and I, um, I find a, a special guest star to come in and give me their five, five things that they love. And, um, and that's been super fun. It's been very surprising. I pick pretty much anybody, a friend or somebody I vaguely know on the internet and, um, and I've had a really interesting response. So that's been cool. Yeah. And how do you, how do you keep track of these things? So, so I'm sure once you started, you know, this idea of a newsletter and, um, started going, maybe the first two, you've got like a whole big backlog of, of things that you're like, Oh, I should share this. I should share this. I've been waiting to tell somebody about this. But after, you know, 20 weeks, um, you use up all those things. And so now you need new things every single week. And that's a lot of things. And (laughs) so, um, how are you logging those things on like a random Tuesday to put in the newsletter when the day of formatting the newsletter comes? Well, that is a good question, Abby, because I am really struggling. <laughs> I think every Wednesday I try to send my, I actually, my dad in Australia, he proofreads my, um, my newsletter for me every week. Oh my and gosh, you're the best dad. My dad I know. Do and he goes through it with a fine tooth comb ah. and he sends me back a massive list of all these fabulous little tiny changes like, please move that comma to, you know, the next word over or you've got a split infinitive there in that first paragraph, but maybe nobody will notice. And uh, so I try to get that to him by Wednesday night and my newsletter comes out Friday morning. And, uh, and if, I'm, if I haven't got it to him by Wednesday night, he might send me a little reminder because, you know, he's got a life too. <laughs> and um, and so by Wednesday, usually Wednesday morning, I'm panicking and I sit down and I feel this heavy cloud of, oh, my God, what am I going to say this week? And by the end of Wednesday, um, amazingly, every week so far, hopefully it keeps going, I have a full newsletter of stuff. And it's been a case, like, as you say, the first few were easy. That was easy. But now... Um, it's requiring a little bit more searching. Um, I rely on friends to send me suggestions, which has been awesome. Um, but I think even tomorrow, uh, tomorrow's is going to be a little slim. <laughs> it is hard. How do you do it? Because you equally have an amazing newsletter full of good stuff. I mean, I understand that panic. First of all, I need to like rent your dad because I, because without him, here's what happens. I write my newsletter. I swear I do proofread it, people. I do. But somebody will, you know, the grammar people out there, always somebody sends me something like, oh, you know what? I'm like, okay, thank you. Oh, maybe you just need to appear generally much more sloppy like I do. And people are like, oh, Claire, of course she forgot to put a heading in there. So there's that. But, um, 
But I do understand that sense of panic because my newsletter goes out Wednesday mornings at 10 and I um, actually write it on Tuesday nights. And so um, if I do get it finished and scheduled by 10 p.m., I'm like, look at me. I'm done early. So um, it's it's a lot of panicking. But um, I use Pocket. Do you have Pocket? No. Okay, go get it after we talk. Because (laughs) Pocket is a free app. Um, You can get it both on your phone and on your your computer. And um, essentially what it does is it just collects links for you. So whenever you, you know, come across something, and I never have time to actually read the full article of anything. So I'll just be on Facebook or on uh, Twitter or on Instagram, whatever, and I'll see something and I'll be like, oh, that's sort of interesting. Might be Mm. good for the newsletter. And then you just send it to Pocket. There's like a little extension. You know, you just hit the little button and it goes to Pocket. And, um, and then it waits for you and you can actually even read or watch videos or anything offline. So if you're somewhere where, you know, there's no internet, you can just go on your phone and everything's there in pocket and you can just read, um, or even Ooh. watch like these YouTube videos, whatever, you know, you sent there. Um, so that's great. So it's on Tuesday when I do sit down to write the newsletter, I open pocket. That's the first thing I do. And I just go through. And then, though, because I haven't read any of those things that I sent there, I have to read like 25 articles. And often I'm so disappointed. Like, uh, you know, the headline looked good. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, God. It's so. a lot of work. Yes. I was just um, – there's a, there's a great newsletter. Um, he's not, it's actually a news newsletter. Like he, he curates all of the news services every day um, called Next Draft by – Dave Pell and I was just reading an article about him and he every day he gets up he spends I don't know three or four hours going through 25 to 45 different websites finding the best stuff he can find writing it up into this huge email and uh, sending it out every day and it's like it's a full-time job for him and then he immediately starts again for the next day and how does he make money I you know I he has an app so I think you can get it through an app and I possibly no I don't you know what I don't know I think he does other things too Mm. I think he's a venture capitalist I think he's I don't know maybe he has sponsors yeah I mean this is also another question right so it is a lot of work um I love Mm -hmm. doing it and it sounds like you love doing it too um Mm -hmm. it's not at all something that I feel like you know I'm gonna stop or anything like that it's been really a fantastic thing and and like you all my work up until I started the newsletter came to me through my blog. And that's how mm-hmm. everybody, all the book deals, everybody who found me, everything good that happened to me happened to me because of my blog. And then mm-hmm. um, when I started the newsletter, now uh, almost everything good that happens to me comes through the newsletter. There's a couple things that some still come through the blog or through Etsy, but a lot of it comes through the newsletter. Almost all the freelance work I get comes through the newsletter. And I, that's I'm wondering, it. That's good. Yes. I'm wondering if it's, if it's paid off for you yet or if you feel like it's going to uh, or how is that going to work? It's early days. Yes, it is. <laughs> 20 weeks. Um, so tell me, tell me how long have you been doing yours? Um, I started it in um, January of 2013, but I didn't totally figure out the format until June. Okay. And that's been, and that's every week. So that's a lot. That's good. Okay. This is giving me hope, Abby. Um, (laughs) I, for a little while I was thinking, I I mean, once I started it to use it as a promotional thing for my illustration, um, I quickly discovered how much I just love doing it for the newsletter itself. Um, and in fact, some issues go out now without even any illustrations by me. I might find a vintage photograph or something. Um, and, uh, and so I kind of got to a point where I started thinking, was there a way I could just make this a business? Like obviously somebody like Dave Pell must. Um, 
And uh, I kind of looked at a few ways. I think we had a little online conversation about Patreon, um, whether uh, that, which is a website where you can, how does it work? You sign up um, and people become basically a patron of your work. Yeah, it's like crowdfunding. Yeah, kind of, kind of. But it's on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. That I will pay you five dollars a month for you just to keep doing what you do. And um, so that's I know some some newsletters use that model for collecting a bit of funding and obviously sponsorship. But um, and then I kind of decided to let go of trying that because it's just it's a lot of pressure and it takes away from the joy. I think. Um, for me. And so now I'm kind of back round to the, hmm, how, why am I doing this? But apart from the fact that it's just kind of fun, I think that's, <laughs> it really is just fun at the yeah. moment. Well, and, uh, I think the interesting thing has been that, so I write about the home sewing and crafts industry. I mean, that's what I do in the newsletter. It's, it's links about sewing and blogging and small business. And so as it grew and the people who subscribe to it are all of the um, editors at all of the craft publishing houses and all of the executives at all of the fabric companies. And so now that the list has all of the people on it in the industry, um, mm. then every week when I email them, it reminds them that I'm here. And then they'll email me and sometimes they give me a story tip or sometimes they ask me to, you know, do some sort of collaboration or to speak at their conference, you know, all of that stuff. So that's the reason why there's synchronicity there is it's like who's on the list. Right. Right. Well, that's great. Yeah. I think I have a a lot more growing of my list to do yet, but, um, I feel like, I mean, I think even with the blog for me, um, it was always just, the motivation was that it was just fun and it was connection and it was sharing um, and it was community and collaboration. And out of that came all of the really good things. Right. Uh, it, seren- it was serendipity, really. And uh, and I've kind of always believed that, that if you are doing something that you truly enjoy in that way, then the good things will come. Um, and any time I've actually tried to go out of my way to promote in a kind of sensible marketing fashion, it's never really paid off in the same way because I guess people can sense that there's not the joy there. And um so I think I just tr- I'm just trusting that I just keep going with the newsletter, and if good things happen, then good things happen. And yeah. in the meantime, I'm loving it, and uh, the audience is definitely growing, and people are re- oh, I love the responses I get. Um, so obviously, people are responding to it. So. Yeah. So let's talk about the responses a little bit. So you send it out on Fridays, mm-hmm. and that- what happens next? I mean, you know, so you so you do all this prep, and then you get it all formatted, and your dad edits it, and sometimes you draw an original illustration for it, and all of this work, and then it goes out, and um, and then what happens? Like, what kind of responses do you get? So um, it, it goes out. Uh, I send it. I, I schedule it to go out at five a.m. So it's before I wake up, <laughs> and. Um, and by the time I've woken up, I check the analytics and lots of people have opened it. You can see through MailChimp um, who's opened it and and it's fabulous. You can see that people are saying, oh, it's in my inbox and I'm going to check it out. And um, and then after that, it's not unusual. I, I also include a funny little thing in my newsletter where I put a quote in the subject line every week, which is a sometimes obscure but mostly a, a pretty recognizable quote from a book or a song or something. And then I have this little game where I say at the bottom of the newsletter, 100 points if you can guess the quote. And it's just meant to be fun, like just a throwaway thing. And um, and people actually email me and tell me. They will say, oh, yeah, I know that quote. It's from a Van Morrison song. Yeah, 100 points for me. <laughs> and um, and then that often also inspires people to continue and, and uh, give me a little bit of feedback about what I've written about or 
um, uh, tell me, give me another suggestion for the next week or even just a personal story, which is always gorgeous. And um, yeah, I just, I kind of like that connection. It's cool. And do you write all those people back? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's not that many, but yes, yes, I do. Well, there will sure. be Claire. There, there will be, <laughs> there will be all those. Men. So I do too. And I, um, I, I don't have, I don't have brilliant quotes and I, I don't do that, but I do, I do get a lot of, you know, email responses. Lots yeah. and lots of people write back as soon as it goes out. And, um, and I do write back to all of them and, um, and it takes, it's one, like, I love doing it and I, I learn mm-hmm. a ton from them. I mean, I, a lot is great, but it does take a lot of time to write back to all of them. And I, but I, but I always want to be able to do it. You know, I always want it to come from me, but, um, so it goes out Wednesday morning and then Wednesday night, I just spend the whole evening. It's just responding to everybody who wrote, who wrote. Oh, wow. To me. Yeah. It's a lot of emails, <laughs> but I mean, I do love it. And honestly, like I, that's how I, that's what fuels everything that happens the next week. You know what I mean? Like that's what, how I figure everything out. All, all the topics for new blog posts and people send me uh, personal stories, as you said, and um, links to things. And I mean, all sorts of great stuff comes from that, which is why I always want it to be me. I, I mean, I don't, not that I have an assistant, but if I had one, I would never want to like pass that off to them because that stuff's so important. Right. Well, I, I think that was another thing about the whole, um, what I used to love about the blog was that people used to comment a lot um, when we first started and there was always a dialogue and it felt like a small group of friends or ha- having a chat and that kind of disappeared. I guess, you know, people stop commenting so much. I don't think it's such a thing anymore. Like I can put up a blog post now and maybe get one comment and this feels a little bit like that again. It does feel like people are, you, you are um, encouraging a response from people, which I, I think is pretty cool. And then, of course, it makes sense to email back and just keep it going. Right. And Except that, that it's not public. Yeah. You know, it's in the comments were there for everybody to see. And it was a public discussion. And this is a one, one-to-one discussion, which is different. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You oh, know, we'll have to start spin-off forums or something. But perhaps it's because <laughs> we have so much public, right? I mean, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have yeah. Instagram, we have all of these ways to either hit the like button or yeah. to make a public comment. And oftentimes, like the Facebook comments will outnumber the actual comments on a blog post. So I'll share it to my Facebook page and I'll get, you know, 10 comments on the Facebook page about that blog post and then three on the actual blog post. So sometimes yeah. that outnumbers it. That's true. And in fact, I do get conversation even on my personal page when I um, promote my newsletter. Lots of my friends will respond and, and it becomes a bit more of a discussion. And I put it on my Luby Lou Facebook page and people respond there too. So that's true. Yeah. And there's lots of different ways to respond now. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I often post it to Instagram too and, and get right. responses there. So yeah. And, and it's very, um, it's scattered, right? So there's all these different places. Um, back in the day, we had one place, which was right. the blog. And now there's you know, half dozen different ways to, to respond to something. Um, well, you know, I think that's, um, one of the reasons I would still encourage anyone to start either a website or a blog is that you still have your one place that is yours. And even if people are using Facebook for the next couple of years and then move to Instagram or whatever, you still, every, everything will still come back to the fact that you own this one little home and, um, social media will come and go, but the, uh, blog will be there forever in its funny way. And, (laughs) And, uh, and it will be as well as, so the blog is there forever because it's your URL. And especially mm-hmm. if you are, you know, ho- paying for hosting yourself, um, then you, you do truly own all of that, but you also own the email addresses that you've collected for mm-hmm. your newsletter. And I think 
That to me is such an incredibly valuable asset. Those newsletters, no matter what happens, whether blogging goes out of fashion or these, you know, various social media outlets that we love, you know, fade away, when you're able to reach all of these people directly, um, even if you leave MailChimp and take it somewhere else, you know, you still have the, that Excel spreadsheet of all of their names mm-hmm. and all of their email addresses. And that's so mm-hmm. valuable. Which is interesting because I think a, a couple of years ago, people would have said that email is kind of on the way out. Um, but it hasn't seemed to have gone anywhere, I don't think at all. I think it's still just as strong. And people, um, I'm amazed that people open the newsletter, honestly, because there's so much stuff that comes into people's emails, but people still will look every day at their email and it's still a priority. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. when I wake up in the morning um, and I come down, I leave my devices all downstairs and our bedrooms upstairs. But when I come downstairs, and I pick up my phone, the first thing I do is check my email. I don't know what mm-hmm. you check first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The same. Yeah. And because it's yeah. yours, right? Like, so yeah. everything else, all the notifications and things are good, but the email is just to you. And so I always check that first. Yeah. So, I, and I don't think that is going to go away. And I think, um, I think you're right. I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. That, that email list is pretty pretty impressive. So, yeah. And, yeah. and even way back when, when I first discovered Lubilu, it was still the same. I always checked my email first and there was no such thing as smartphones back then. <laughs> but, you know, so I just feel like it's so enduring. And also, um, you know, people who are like, I have a, my, my father-in-law is 89 and he has an email address and my 12-year-old has an email address. She doesn't right. have Instagram, but she does have exactly. an email address. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. So that's yeah. everyone. And I think that's really important. So, all right. So I just want to talk just briefly about your um, your freelance career and, and some of the, the projects that you've been able to work on and, and sort of the growth of your freelance career. So um, do you want to talk about just like some of the highlights of really, you know, wonderful projects? It sounds like you've, you've illustrated some books and some of the things that you've really enjoyed doing. Hmm, um, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I guess I started my freelance career around the same time as I started my blog, and, um, and I think, uh, I really wanted to get into children's book illustration at that point. That was the, the, the end game for me. Um, so I did a lot of editorial stuff and, um, I was sending out my folio to lots of publishers all through the States and Australia. Um, and, uh, and I picked up a, a, a few really cool jobs, but the, definitely the coolest has been, um, well, so far is has been um, working with HarperCollins in Australia to um, illustrate this great um, young adult. Well, it's actually sort of middle grade. I think it's seven to ten year old um, audience book of uh, a series called Truly Tan, which is written by uh, Jen Storer. And it's kind of I mean, it's a little bit. Do you know the English author from the 1940s called Enid Blyton? No, I she don't. Wrote, the magic faraway tree and the um it, it's just there's there's something so lovely about this series that it's this little girl in a family living in the Australian bush and um she has adventures and she starts a spy agency and it's there's uh she's got a great sense of humor and it's just this fun quirky series um that we originally signed on to do three books for and now we've gone up to six so we're I think we've got another couple to go so there'll be eight in the series and it's um it's been going for the last, I guess, six years now. So uh, it's been a fabulous, fabulous project to be involved in. And um, and from there, I've also had a couple of other kids' books that have come out of that. And I've done a, uh, a book for Klutz Publishers, you know, the Children's Craft. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did one for them called Little Letters, which was a wonderful project. And, um, 
yeah, but it's interesting. I think I've got to a point where um, I need to write my own. That would make the make sense now in my career. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would be so fun. Yeah, it really would be fun. So I think that's the next the next step in terms of children's book illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but apart from that, I have. I'm starting to think about going back to school, which is a very new thought, um, and going back and doing a Bachelor of Fine Arts because I never finished anything like that. So um, that's a whole new direction for me. Yeah, that would be really interesting to do. I feel like school's wasted on the young. <laughs> I, I know. And well, <laughs> I was looking at, you know, I was looking around and thinking, what is it that I really love doing? Well, apart from, you know, I really kind of like making soft toys, I really like making characters. Um, Maybe I should go and do some sculpture, sculpture stuff at uh, university. So I was having a look around at um, different universities and their sculpture departments to see what, what might be on offer. So that'll be completely different. So we'll see where that goes. <laughs> when you were in, uh, in college, um, did you use a computer? Did you use Illustrator and Photoshop or were you sort of ahead before that no, time? No, I was before that. I don't even – I think the computer lab at the the school I was at had maybe – three computers and I and I know I started yeah I, when I was um I went to I was doing a, a a bachelor of education in visual arts and while I was there I got really involved in the new, university newspaper and we did have some really basic macintoshes that we were using to lay things out on but I remember that there was also in the um the newspaper office one of those old machines where you would um you would text printed out on and then you would put it through the machine and it would wax the back of the paper and you would cut it out and then actually stick it down on paper to then photo- photocopy. It was just the craziest machine, but it was all very pre, pre-computers, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so did you teach yourself how to use Illustrator and Photoshop? Do you mostly use Photoshop now? I use Photoshop. I, don't, I use Illustrator a little bit, but not too much, but mostly Photoshop. And yeah, I did teach myself. Um, I was lucky enough to get a a couple of jobs where I was allowed to experiment and learn as I went mm-hmm. doing doing that. So and yeah. do you, and do you use a Wacom tablet too? I do. Yes, I do. A very old one, but I do use a, a big Wacom tablet, and uh, that's how I do all of my digital illustration. It's mm-hmm. like straight into Photoshop mm-hmm. without any sketches or anything. So yeah. And have you experimented at all with the Adobe products that are on the iPad? No, not at all. That would be. Awesome. <laughs> They're pretty cool. Yeah, I had um, I had another illustrator, Janine Morrison, on the show a couple uh-huh. of months back, and that's what she's really gotten into, and she just absolutely loves it. So it might be kind of fun to experiment. Does she have like a, a, an Apple tablet and then an Apple pen? Exactly. That- yeah, uh, she has like um, yeah, like an iPad, and then she has um, I think she might have the the Apple pencil or something like that. But um, they, she she uses a, maybe Adobe Sketch and some of the other Adobe products on the iPad to make art, and she absolutely loves them. So. Um, yeah, kind of neat. Something new yeah. to try. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and I just remember your marshmallow rabbit stuffed animals and how much I love them and thought they they're yeah. so appealing. Well, I just had somebody um, contact me and ask if they could uh, commission me to make one, so I'm about to start making a bunch of those again. Wow, that <laughs> I is just awesome. Keep on coming back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean I loved them, and I remember seeing their faces and just thinking. If only I could ever make something like that. Like, that's just amazing. You know, I just really I love them and was so inspired to sort of keep trying when I would see them. So um, they but I was thinking the next step would be to turn those guys into plastic sculptures, like some, cast them in plastic and make cool, I don't know, 
science fiction-y weird cats. <laughs> yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. That would be cool. Yeah, they're awesome. I mean, they, they really have a distinctive look and I, I do love them. So, And I know that you were really in, influenced by Moomin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tove Jansen, who is a Finnish children's book writer and illustrator and also an artist. Um, but, and I, and uh, we discovered those books when we were kids and my mum really loved them. So I've kind of grown up with them. But uh, her definite whimsical and quirky, magical world definitely inspired all of my work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. We yeah, have we have a lot of those books in my house because my um, Roxanne, my oldest daughter, she absolutely loves them too and has read all of them many, many times. So Yeah, yeah. And it's funny how that art that you see when you're a child sticks with you. Absolutely. Totally and forever. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I, and I can see it th- coming through in all my characters still, her, her line work and her expressions and everything. It's really pretty interesting. And I even think my children kind of look like those characters, which is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I feel like even the art that was hanging on the walls in my childhood bedroom and like the wallpaper that was on my walls and I guess maybe because I'm a visual person, but I remember like the motifs on my bedspread as a child, like just staring at them for so long because you're sort of in your room for a long time and um, sort of trying to fall asleep or in the morning or whatever. And I, I can picture every single piece of art that was in my room when I was a right. kid. Me too. I was actually looking at a photograph from when I was really little the other day and it's uh, it was a it was a bit of an eye opener for me because I realized I was sitting on my bed and behind me the wall was covered in uh, clippings from magazines and postcards and and I guess pages from old calendars which my mum and dad had sort of stuck with, I guess, wallpaper paste onto the walls because the wall itself was a plaster that was starting to crumble away. <laughs> and so what they'd done was basically just cover the surface with uh, pictures. And I looked at all of those pictures. I could remember them all so clearly. And, yeah, you're right. I could see them coming through in my work now, and it's just uh, just stuck there in my subconscious. So. Yeah, it makes me think as a parent, like, you know, we do hang – my husband and I collect art, and we hang – original art in my kids' bedrooms, you know, and they're actually super respectful of it and they don't do anything bad to it. But I do really consider like, this is what's going to be hanging in her room. She's going to stare at that for a long time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then it'll come out when she's 45. (laughs) (laughs) For better or worse. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Okay. So let's get to your list of recommendations. You've got a couple to recommend. And the first one I feel like we touched on already, which is MailChimp. Um, I don't know if you have anything further that you wanted to say to recommend MailChimp to people. No, except that if you're thinking about doing a newsletter, even just for a group of friends or whatever, it is a really easy piece of software to use. It's not intimidating at all. Way easier than starting up a blog, I think. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty chunky, but it's, it's good to use. So I, I, I'm just loving it. And you know what I really love about it? It's like I said, the, um, the analytics, uh, I don't know if you spend a lot of time looking at that stuff, Abby, but going in and, um, really looking at what people are responding to is really interesting because you can actually see what people are clicking on, how many times they've clicked on it. Um, if they've sent it to a friend, like there are all sorts of little nuances that you can, you can, um, study. Uh, so, for example, I know that every week I need to include a recipe because that's what people love. <laughs> if they click on nothing else, they'll click on the soup recipe. <laughs> and so I actually I think that's a really interesting point, which is to say that 
in comparison to setting up, for example, a WordPress blog, which is really mm-hmm. what is required now, right? Like, I mean, if you're going to do this and do this right, you're probably going to want to use WordPress. So in mm-hmm. order to set up a WordPress blog, it, it's actually rather complicated. I mean, I hired somebody to move my blog from type, type, type pad to WordPress and then show me how to use it. it it's not as easy and, and sort of plug and play as it used to be on the sort of less sophisticated blogging platforms. And also the analytics that you get, even through Google Analytics, are nowhere nearly as powerful as the ones that you get through MailChimp. So on MailChimp, it's easy to start, much easier than a blog, and you get better analytics because not only can you see all of the things that you just said, but you can actually see that granularly down to the person. Oh, absolutely. Which is uh, fantastic. So like if you have a particular person, you can put their name in and you can see when they opened it, how many times they clicked on it, what they clicked on, what that one person's Abby, behavior you've just exposed, is. Uh, you've just exposed our secret. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, every move. <laughs> you can watch their every move. I mean, it's oh, sort of so like, you know, if you're a snoop, I don't know. It's kind of a powerful thing. <laughs> well, it was kind of interesting because last week I posted something a little bit political, which I don't usually do, but I did. And... Um, and I noticed that people, there were a couple of people who unsubscribed and one of them, it was definitely, and would, you know, fair enough, whatever, everybody, they got to do what they got to do. Um, but uh, one person definitely unsubscribed because of my political piece, because I saw that they clicked on the two articles that I linked to that were particularly political and then unsubscribe immediately. So I thought, oh, this is, it's good. You can really learn about um, your audience and and how to mold your newsletter and, and um the direction to take it in that's going to either be successful or whatever it is you need to do. So I love it. I mean, the only other thing about MailChimp, I think, and probably email in general, is that you can't, it's really difficult to make it look pretty. Um, I think you do a really awesome job, Abby, um, but you have limits on the amount of text you can include um, and everything has to fit a very sort of basic, chunky format. Uh, so it's it's that's a little bit challenging. I haven't quite figured out the sophisticated way of making my newsletter look amazing. Yeah. And I I actually think your newsletter does look amazing and especially because you've got these incredible illustrations in there. But, um, and I also think there's design touches that you include because you're a designer. (laughs) And so it looks, I mean, I'm, I'm not at all a graphic designer and, um, and so I don't have that same, uh, sort of sensibility, but, um, but I have a meeting tomorrow actually with a woman who designs newsletters professionally and she worked on Lenny um, and some of these amazing newsletters and Friedman's newsletter that are out there and she actually lives in Boston and she's coming to my house tomorrow to talk about redesigning my newsletter and um, you know of course the content will remain the same but I've always wanted it to be like awesome in the way it looks and I know I can't do that myself and I've waited for so long to see I, there's got to be someone out there who like is really good at this and I, knows I think the it might be her so we'll see I'll let you know but <laughs> yeah I would love to know I mean it is I mean I'm finding it really challenging because every email um like I think gmail even displays my email quite differently from I don't know any other mail service there are so many nuances so that'll be very interesting Abby mm, yeah mm. We'll see. I know. Hopefully I can afford it. That's always my other thing. (laughs) (laughs) When you said those other names, I'm thinking, oh, she sounds expensive. (laughs) Right? I know. It's always that balance. I've learned to not be so miserly though because it's worth it. it. (laughs) The times I've spent the money, I've been like, why didn't I do this before? So 
We'll yeah, see. Good. I'll, I'll keep you up to date how she does it. But um, okay. You also wanted to recommend some art, uh, an art supply, which is acrylic artist inks. Yes, which I'm loving. Um, I started off a couple of years ago deciding I wanted to try and do as, uh, as little digital work as I possibly could because I spent all my time working in Photoshop trying to make things look hand-drawn. So I thought, well, why don't I just do it by hand? Uh, so I started using watercolors and I found that, I mean, watercolors are, uh, for, for a child's art supply generally, <laughs> uh, something that's so sophisticated and difficult to use and get the right effects from. It's just got a mind of its own. Um, but I love the wash and the, the look of the, the kind of glowing colors. So I thought, um, I thought I'd try using acrylic inks and, uh, I'm just really getting a lot out of, um, layering and the detail you can get and the beautiful colors. So that's definitely what I've been indulging in lately. Mm, that sounds good. And, yeah. um, and then you also wanted to recommend Mozart in the Jungle on Amazon Prime. Yes, which we have just totally binge watched three seasons worth. <laughs> and it's, um, I, I don't, have you seen it, Abby? No, I, you know what? Uh, I don't watch any TV. None I'm, at all. Okay. I know I'm crazy, but that's. We watch a lot, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, this particular series was so charming. It's, it's, um, it's based on a fictional version of the New York Symphony Orchestra, um, and it's the story of a, a young gun kind of uh, wild com uh, uh, composer and um, conductor coming in and taking over this orchestra that's kind of getting a little bit shabby and stuck in its ways and reviving it. And it's so charming and fun, and it has a great set of um, producers and directors. It's Roman Coppola and, and Jason Schwartzman and... Um, and a great cast, and it's just fabulous. And it's lots of crazy, creative people who are driven and uh, wacky and kooky and getting up to all sorts of, you know, life life situations. And, um, yeah, I just love it. it sounds, <laughs> I mean, it sounds really good. I think if I, if I could watch TV, I would watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I, I just really love anything, any show that's about people who are doing creative things with yeah. this kind of passion that overtakes everything. Um, so it's totally, it's cool. yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I can kind of relate to that idea. Yeah, right. Like an obsessive right. passion. Yeah, that's me. Okay. Exactly. Um, um, and then you also wanted to give a plug, I feel like to your, um, yes. your home in Canada, which you, your husband's Canadian, right? Right. He's, he's actually from the other coast though. He's, well, he's oh. from, um, Toronto area, but, uh, we moved here to the Pacific Northwest, um, six years ago to this little island. And uh, and it's beautiful, and I think everybody should come visit. <laughs> and it's called Salt Spring Island. Salt Spring Island. And yep, how did we're... you how did you pinpoint that as a new home? Uh, well, it's a little bit crazy. We had to find somewhere in this time zone because Phil works for a company in California, and they didn't mind where we lived. It didn't have to be the states, but it had to be in the same time zone so we could attend meetings and so on. Um, and uh, so we thought Vancouver sounded appealing, him being Canadian, but also expensive and we'd end up living in a suburb probably. Um, and so we thought, well, let's try something crazy. So I literally Googled artists, colonies, British Columbia. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and found Salt Spring Island. It was basically the only return. Um, and uh, I kind of kept checking it out. And, and the, the further I got into it, the, I thought, this actually sounds like a really nice place. So let's go do it. So um, initially we came thinking it would be just for a year. Uh, and it ended up being, well, we're going on six. So yeah, it's a good place to be. Mm, I love finding your new home by just Googling artist comedy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, who knows where we'll go next? Yeah, I was just going to say, I should do that next time I'm ready to move. That that sounds like a really good idea. Uh, Well, Claire, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Washing Naps podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you. Yeah. Such an honor to be asked. So thank you. Yeah, it was wonderful. And you've been listening to the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Visit my blog, walshynaps.com, where you can subscribe to my email newsletter to get the best in sewing and blogging and small business right in your inbox each week. And thanks again to our sponsor, Shower Art. Ugly Baby takes their most popular shower art themes and works with other local artists to create shirts, hoodies, tank tops, prints, postcards, stickers, enamel pins, pencils, notebooks, ornaments, cross-stitch kits, all kinds of nonsense. Visit UglyBabyShop.com and use that coupon code ABBYRULES for 30% off a single order. Thank you so much, Ugly Baby and Shower Art. And if you enjoy this show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much, and I will see you next time.